Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everyone wants Ben Charrington to put up mega dollars to keep Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds in the fold for as long as possible. I want that too. But I also understand and appreciate that there's mega risk involved. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. About an hour or so after the Pirates' 3 to nothing loss at St. Louis yesterday, Adam Wainwright doing his thing again. The team made known that Gregory Polanco had been placed on outright waivers. And without getting into all the technicalities and what all that means, the short version is he's gone. He's released. And any team can now pick him up if they so chose, and use him for a stretch run while only paying him Major League Minimum. The Pirates are on the hook for the remainder of his actual contract as well as the $3 million payment that would be due next year to buy out his club option, which would have cost $12.5 million. There was no way that was going to happen. There was no way he was staying. And I wrote as much on purpose from Milwaukee just a couple of weeks ago whenever Greg had that super spectacular game where he almost single-handedly beat the Brewers and then made the dramatic catch over the fence and then said afterward when I asked him about his emotions and where he is, he said that he never wants to leave Pittsburgh. He wants to stay. He considers himself a pirate for life and everything else. He's legit. He's really like that. He also is hitting, as I'm speaking, 199. And he can't throw to any bases. Uh, that's a couple of pretty big problems for someone that you're paying eight figures annually. And Greg hasn't been the same since shoulder surgery. He will deny it into infinity. He'll say, shoulder feels great. It feels great. Big smile on his face. And, you know, for about a, about a second and a half when he says it, you believe him. And then you watch his next throw to the cutoff man. Not to the base. 
<laughs> not to where it needs to go. The throat of the cutoff man is a lollipop that often misses. That's not something to criticize him over. Shoulders are tough. Shoulders are tough. I've had people in the baseball medical community tell me that shoulders are the worst, most complicated thing they deal with surgically. They're a mess. They're a mess even when they're healthy, which almost no one's shoulder is in baseball. So It's not like Greg did anything wrong. Just something happened. Something happened. But you know what else happened? In 2016, when the Pirates signed Polanco to a five-year, $35 million guaranteed extension, the Pirates and their front office and even their owner were praised. This is how you do it. This is the right way. This is the commitment that you have to make. And they had signed other guys, too. There seems to be a mythology that they never do this. They never keep their guys. They never keep their guys. They did it with Andrew McCutcheon. They did it with Starling Marte. They did it with Felipe Vazquez. Let's not forget. And they did it with Francisco Liriano, three years, $39 million. They did it with Polanco. And it... Which of those worked? Which of those delivered everything that was hoped on the day that they were sitting at that table, signing that contract and then greeting reporters and the happy handshake from the GM and the owner smiling in the background and we're all singing songs? Which of those worked? Which of those played out the way we thought it would? Which one? I'm not here to rip the players. I'm not here to say, you know, Starling Marte ended up... Starling Marte's having a fantastic season for anybody who doesn't follow these guys after they leave Pittsburgh. He's been terrific. He was terrific his whole time with the Pirates. He was traded because he asked to be traded. Charrington didn't want to have that around. Charrington got a couple of legitimately good prospects for him, and that was the end of that. So each one of these is a different case. Kutch was traded on a downward curve for him, career-wise. If that trade hadn't been made, very obviously, Brian Reynolds wouldn't be here to be the next guy in this same discussion. But which of them worked the way we envisioned Because when you're seeing those players sitting there signing those contracts, what you're picturing, admit this, what you're picturing is, oh, pirate for life, like Clemente, like Stargell. And that just doesn't happen anymore, which is a point I keep making again and again and again. It doesn't happen anymore. There are almost no examples of this across baseball. Yeah, you can look at Mike Trout and Joey Votto and a couple others. Derek Jeter, I guess, if you want to go, you know, guys that aren't even around anymore. And But if you're talking about players who stay with one team for their entire careers, 
who aren't in New York or L.A., which, by the way, obviously would account for Trout and Jeter and Mariano Rivera and almost all of the examples that you could actually cite, and you'd be left just with Votto. Just with Votto and the Reds. Unless somebody slip in my mind here. It doesn't happen anymore. It's not 1974 anymore. And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there are people who have done far more material studies or analyses than the one I'm doing here with you. And they've looked at the history of these contracts and they've said, wow, these just never pan out, do they? Or almost never pan out. So why would we do it? To win a PR battle for a day? You know, to have everybody say nice things about us and all the cameras are gone and and everybody's smiling and all the questions at the press conference are, why are you so awesome? Is that a good enough reason to do these? What happens if and when Reynolds hurts his shoulder or his knee? Or if something happens to Key Brian? The Pirates, unlike the teams in Los Angeles and New York, can't withstand bad contracts. We just watched this. We've just watched this with Polanco. They can't withstand them. They can't just shrug them off. Look at Trevor Bauer and all that he's been through with his accusations and suspensions and everything else that's gone on this year. This was a player that the Dodgers signed to a one-year, one-year $40 million contract. Okay, that's like almost all of the Pirates' payroll. How did they withstand it? Well, they went and they added Max Scherzer. (laughs) It's a different ball game. They're not even in the same sport. They added Max Scherzer because they couldn't have access to Trevor Bauer for the year. Pirates can't do that. So I'll, I'll be in favor of a Hayes extension, of a Reynolds extension of other players as they come along. But I'm going to keep pounding this, and I'm going to do it even though I know it's not going to resonate. It's not 1974 anymore. Baseball players do not stay with one team their whole careers, much less in markets that aren't Los Angeles in New York. When we come back, just one question. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Stop by if you're heading down to the game tonight against the Diamondbacks. Stop down anytime. This is not like the businesses of old on Federal Street that were only open on game days. North Shore Tavern is a real live functioning business, like all the time. It's also the home of the one and only Stake on a Stone, which you've probably heard about from your friends who've been down there because there's not another eating experience like it in Pittsburgh, as well as being the planet's only fully dedicated pirate sports bar. It's all baseball, front to back, wall to wall, floor to ceiling. North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park question comes from Brent, who asks, do you feel the current collection of prospects is stronger in pitching or position players? And do you think you'll be more comfortable with pitching or hitting at the major league level in the second half of 2023? I love these random years that get chosen in all kinds of discussions related to this team. Everybody seems to want to pick out a year. This is the year that'll matter. 2023 or 2024. I had one uh, brought up with me. This was just in casual conversation a couple of weeks ago where someone just threw out the year 2027. And I go, what are you doing? I mean, we have no idea. We have no idea where this stuff is headed. Well, it was like if the pitchers from Greensboro arrive in 2023 or 2024, it's going to take them two or three years to really reach peak efficiency. So that I, I, I saw 2027 as the year that they'll, like, come on. We just don't know. We don't know. We didn't know before this summer that Brian Reynolds was an MVP-type player. You just don't know these things. We did think before this season that Brian Hayes was Ted Williams. He's cooled off a little bit. He's still excellent defensively, as we saw again with that outstanding backhand stab that he made yesterday in St. Louis. But he might end up being more of a, you know, a 280, 290 kind of hitter, usually going to the opposite field with some pop, not a ton. Or he could go right back to being Ted Williams next year. We just don't know. The Pirates themselves, Ben Charrington and his staff, they don't know. And that's why they don't, according to everybody I've talked to in the organization, they themselves don't set a timetable. Now, to your actual question, the prospects are stronger, no question. 
in hitting than they are in pitching, especially in the higher levels. And really, you could even say that in Greensboro, because even though Greensboro has Nick Gonzalez, Leo Verpaguero, and now, of course, Henry Davis, that one affiliate is seen as the haven for the system's pitchers. More are needed. Uh, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Uh, although, if you bring it up with Charrington, he'd say that more of everything is needed, because that's just his mindset. But specifically, more pitching is needed. You really shouldn't have a system where almost all of your top pitching prospects are sitting on one team. Um, that's neat, and ideally they'll all benefit from it. They'll make each other better and stronger, and they'll be competitive in their own way with each other. That's really cool, but you need to have more of it. Um, there's a little bit at the upper levels, and I'm not even sure if I feel comfortable labeling Miguel Yahure as one of those, because to me, he should have been in the majors all year long. Ruanzi Contreras is probably the best example. If he hadn't gotten shut down by the elbow issue, he probably, well, he would have at least had a chance to be in Pittsburgh this September. But there's not a lot else. There just isn't. And pitching, you need to see it not only develop, but also mature. Uh, how does a pitcher handle adversity? How does a pitcher handle the first time he starts getting rocked on a regular basis or something goes out of whack with the delivery and the command? Those are all vital steps that have to occur. They can't occur at the major league level for the first time. They have to occur along the path. So long way to go, my man, but maybe not as long as you think based on the year that you gave. I'm really nowhere near that pessimistic about the amount of time it's going to take to see the Pirates start making meaningful strides forward. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I'll be at the stadium tonight covering Pirates versus Diamondbacks, and we'll do another one of these shows tomorrow. Mm-hmm.